Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. In this week's episode, I chat with Emma Dunlop. Spoiler alert, Emma is actually my sister. We've always enjoyed being creative together in performing music and songwriting and also in dance and choreographing, as well as co-writing a blog together. But a few years ago, Emma discovered a new passion that we don't share and I was keen to sit down with her to discuss the drive and determination she possesses for bodybuilding. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank everyone who's tuned into the podcast so far and gave such great feedback. I'm really enjoying the process from recording to editing to promoting each episode and I'm truly grateful to my brilliant guests who have been so generous with their time and for telling their stories so eloquently. I'm looking forward to lots more interesting discussions and of course, all the banter. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm here with Emma Dunlop. Hello. Emma, do you want to introduce yourself and as this podcast is about people and their passions... Um, and I know Emma very well, and I know she has several passions in her life, but one particular passion that we're going to kind of home in on today. So if you want to describe to us what that passion is and what we're going to talk about today. Sure. So uh, my name is Emma Dunlop. Um, I happen to be Lisa's sister, <laughs> so we do know each other very well. And uh, the passion that I'm going to speak about today really is uh, my hobby of amateur bodybuilding. I, I guess because we've probably not spoke about this like in... In real life, I In real life, I um, <laughs> What made you transition from from basically lifting weights and going to the gym to wanting to compete? What was it that sparked that? Not that I get asked a lot about this, but when I do get asked about the hobby, that, that's always a question I get asked. So I'd been going to the gym for a long time, as you know, mm-hmm. um, just for fun, for fitness, like I've trained as a dancer for years, just enjoy moving. Um, and then sort of weightlifting started to become a bit more, well, it's always been popular with women, but a bit more sort of, dare I say it, trendy, a bit more in the forefront in the media and stuff. So I'd gotten into doing a little bit more weightlifting just to try it out um, for fun, went with a lot of friends and stuff um, and then started taking part in sort of like circuits classes and more weight training as opposed to going long runs and stuff like that and just really enjoyed it um, and had been going for a while and um, had got like a plan from one of the trainers in the gym and was really enjoying it and then I think probably at that time I'd probably joined Instagram to be honest and then started to follow some sort of fitness and exercise pages Um, and some of those people that I was following were competing in bodybuilding competitions really predominantly in America Um, and I think I'm probably probably didn't know this about myself at the time but I probably like a challenge and I'm quite kind of goal Oriented, like I like I to have. I could have told you. <laughs> well, I didn't know that, right? <laughs> but I, I do like a challenge, and I do like having a goal to work towards. And um, fitness and weightlifting was something I enjoyed. Bodybuilding also involved being on stage, um, which is something I enjoy through dance and through music. Um, I have enjoyed that my whole life. So it was a sort of merging of two worlds where I sort of sounded out the idea with my trainer and said you know I've seen these pages on Instagram I'm thinking about maybe mm-hmm. doing something um there was a competition happening in like six months time for the first time in 
Scotland's not the first bodybuilding competition in Scotland but this particular one and uh, it just felt sort of like well this is coming up why not um, mm-hmm. I'll do it once it'll be, it'll be a good laugh <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'll be our time mm. and uh, it's the challenge and we'll just we'll just see we'll just see what I can do and my coach was like yeah great totally I'll help you and, and we just sort of started from there having never really I didn't do like any formal preparation like a, a bulk in inverted commas sort of mm-hmm. thing I just was going from what I had been doing to being on a on a prep for a competition mm-hmm. and to be honest the sort of principles of being on a prep were pretty much how I was living my life in terms of nutrition and exercise anyway I, mm-hmm. I've been someone who has sort of tracked what I eat for quite a long time so I had a good understanding of nutrition and calories and macronutrients and vitamins and minerals and how that all worked together and why we train in certain ways and how we target certain muscles and different things and so it's just the same principle for me but just a slightly different way of doing things Mm. to get yourself ready for a competition so but the commitment that's involved did you know just how much commitment and how much of you call it a hobby and I know it is obviously a hobby you don't make a living from it Mm -hmm. the hobby that you are very passionate about takes up a lot of your life yeah and a lot of your brain power absolutely on top of everything else that you do yeah so i also have a full-time job um which is sort of mostly office based but i probably didn't know the commitment that it would involve um until you're sort of at the end of it Mm -hmm. because you you're just you're just doing it you're just doing it week by week or you're i don't do it day by day because there's too many days so we break it down by weeks it's mentally more manageable <laughs> um so you're just doing it week by week and it's not a linear process so it doesn't get it doesn't start off easy and then get gradually harder mm-hmm. so i had a really bad week last week and i'm the second week into a competition prep but that doesn't mean it's going to get incrementally harder from there i okay. know probably like this week's been so much better just feeling better so you're so up and down just depending on various things mm-hmm. that you're not really processing it and going okay well it feels like this just now so therefore in four weeks time it's going to feel worse or better or whatever mm. so you don't really know what it feels like until you get to the end of it and even then you forget how hard it is it's like what people say about childbirth absolutely <laughs> like you know you just go that was, that was totally fine that prep and then like your friends and family go no it wasn't you were not happy <laughs> but actually nobody died like got through it <laughs> so it feels fine but so it's a lot of work yeah when you're in prep because you are currently mm-hmm. in week three week three what does an average week look like for you when you are in prep for a particular cool. competition? So it can change, obviously, throughout a prep. You can change the type of exercise you're doing or your food and stuff. But generally, mm. um, the main things are um, I have sort of a certain amount of cardio exercise that I want to do. And I try and work that into my everyday life because I do have a 9 to 5 job. So I try and walk as many places as I can. The amount of time I can spend out of the gym the better because I'm at work eight hours a day and I don't really want to be spending any more time in the gym than I have to so I walk most places where I can Um, I eat around five meals a day different sizes of meals so you know one meal could be two bits of toast and some smoked salmon and other meals like full-blown rice vegetables chicken like a full dinner sort of thing but I eat five times a day Um, everything is weighed out and, and accounted for and I use an app to track that um, so that I know exactly sort of my calories and my protein, carbs and fats every day and I have a target, a daily target for those and that changes depending on whether it's a training day or not as mm-hmm. well. So I would get up in the morning uh, about six and the first thing I do is I will down like a litre of water. It just wakes up my brain, wakes up my digestive system. I have my first meal which is porridge oats just now um, and a coffee 
and then I'll get ready, go to work, I have my second meal when I get into work, which right now is an omelette and some veggies, which is nice. Um, people say at work they know that I'm in because they can hear my salt grinder, because <laughs> I'm like grinding salt in my omelette in the morning. Um, and then I have lunch, and that's these days chicken, rice and veggies, it's, I enjoy it. And then finish work, get home, have dinner, it's meal number four. And then I tend to train in the evenings. And what I train just depends on what day it is. So I usually have like two leg days a week and then I'll have another day or two, which is upper, so Mm -hmm. chest or back. Um, And then usually do some sort of post-weights cardio, which right now is the Stairmaster, which is, it's a thing. (laughs) It's really, really effective, but it's just like the worst thing ever. But it's really effective. So I would rather do 10 minutes in the Stairmaster and die than 20 minutes on the treadmill because it's all about time <laughs> then I go home and get a shower and stuff and have my last meal which is usually like a nice thing like toast and smoked salmon or mm. a sandwich or something and then I try and get as much sleep as I can I don't need a lot of sleep to function but all of these variables like food, the exercise, water mm. it all plays a part so um, bed, get up in the morning, do it all over again Describe what working out does for you as well as obviously the physical side yeah. of things but what makes you get up and go I, so I have quite a sedentary job and I use my brain a lot at work. My mm. job, so I'm a researcher um, and although I've got lots of years of doing it, I, I definitely need to like work at it. So it's not necessarily a natural thing for me. Um, I'm a, a, up, a, up in my head quite a lot of time so I do like using my head. But because I use my head a lot at work, I don't use my body a lot mm. and I kind of need to move to think sometimes or like move to not think. And especially if I've been sort of sitting all day up in my head thinking and maybe I'm stressed about work or other stuff, actually sort of just getting out frustrations or even if I'm actually feeling tired, expending some energy can actually give me energy as well. So it's it's a way of sort of offsetting my everyday life, if you like. So regardless mm-hmm. if I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling energetic about something, exercise will give me something different depending on what it is that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Plus also when you know you're going to be on stage in your pants. <laughs> that pretty much motivates me to like get them like, people are going to see me in my pants. So and they're quite small see, pants. That's, so. when, that's when I would stop and go, nobody is going to see you in your pants because you're not going to go on stage. But um, when you've, and, and this is where social media comes in as well because I do use social media as a bit of a um, accountability thing. Mm. So I say I'm going to do something and I'll tell people I'm going to do it so that then I don't it's another reason for me not to back out mm-hmm. so I've said that I'm going to be on stage in my pants so I better make sure that I'm feeling as good in my pants on stage yeah. as possible and that's that's part when I'm on prep that's what gets me in the gym uh-huh. when I'm not competing I do genuinely I get into the gym it's a sense of achievement it's a sense mm-hmm. of pushing myself to do my own wee victory I, I don't really care that I'm not lifting as heavy as somebody else if I'm matching what I did last week or even better or so you're not comparing yourself to others you're comparing yourself to yourself yeah and but sounds silly because in a bodybuilding competition you are being pitted against other people um and it's as objective as it can be Mm -hmm. we're all different shapes and sizes and there's criteria that you have to meet for certain classes and stuff and there's certain poses and things you have to do um but it's obviously subjective because it's not uh it's not like running a marathon you do it in a certain time like time is totally objective Mm -hmm. um whereas this is quite a subjective thing and if you get wrapped up in the comparison with other people part of it yeah. you'll never win you'll never you'll never actually win and you'll never feel like you've had a personal victory mm-hmm. um, so for me it's really about I had this personal challenge I wanted to do it and it still remains that way that it's something that I want to, I want to step on stage feeling as good 
as I can make myself feel good. Have you ever been totally honest, do you think, the first competition that you did, was it just enough to stand on the stage or did you have your eye on a particular prize? The very first one, it was enough just to be on the stage. You don't see what other people who you're up against until mm-hmm. the day as well. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't in the community either, so I, I didn't know a lot of bodybuilders, so I had no idea of, like, oh, so-and-so is going to be doing that show, or I literally turned up and was, like, meeting people for the first time. So the very first time it was just, let's do this experience, it'll be really good. And then I think the second competition I'd done, I had a wee bit more of a, well, you know, I yeah, enjoyed that. To and, world. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and I was in the first sort of call-outs in the first competition, which basically means they, they'll call out a group first to compare against each other. And not all the time, but often that means that's the top 10. And I was in the first call-outs and I was like, oh, I really didn't think that I would be anywhere near that sort of thing. Mm. And I'd received really good feedback from the judges as well. And I think that then sort of spurred it in me for it to be more than just, well, it's just going to be good to step on the stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the next competition I'd done, um, I can't actually remember how I placed, but I'd done quite, I'd done all right in that competition. Yeah. Um, Like better than the last one. So Mm -hmm. then it started to, and then I went to a British finals and I got first call-outs in that. And then Mm -hmm. that's when it started to be like, maybe I should actually be here like maybe I'm good enough to actually be in this the imposter syndrome starts to absolutely absolutely yeah because you are although like I say it is subjective to an extent people are giving you a score compared to other people yeah and when you start to get little scores and so the next year I competed I'd done a little bit better in all my competitions I won a couple and I was like okay Mm. I'm not just playing at this I'm not I'm not doing as well as some of my peers but I'm doing better than I did last time and of course that's quite cool so what kind of impact has you know pushing yourself mentally and physically had on your life positive Um, or negative or both Mm -hmm. positive in the sense that it's shown me what I can endure um and what I've chosen to endure as well because it's a choice um it's not something that happened to me that I've kind of battled through it like I chose to do something really hard and have done it over and over and over again um so it's quite an achievement to look back and say I committed myself to something and I stuck with it and I've done it time and time again that's that's quite cool to yeah. feel like you can put yourself into uncomfortable situations well, I'm sure probably even 10 years ago yeah if we'd said you're going to be a bodybuilder I'd be like what <laughs> sorry <laughs> like even looking back and you know on Facebook when it gives you your Facebook yeah. memories mm-hmm. I'm like Emma and I have been a walk or we went, we, <laughs> went, we went a run and I'm like that's where I stopped <laughs> It is a bit like, I, I was chatting to someone who I haven't seen for a while on Facebook the other day, we just sort of found each other on Facebook, mm-hmm. and um, he was like, who knew that, you know, we Emma that used to busk <laughs> in Motherwell, used to be a busker, who knew that you would become a bodybuilder, and I'm like, yeah, no, it's a bit random, mm-hmm. but you know, aye, it's, it's and, just... I, I mean, we don't need to tell you this, but mm-hmm. maybe we do in terms of the podcast, so people know that we are immensely proud of you, and Thanks. every day when I think about you and what you've achieved in terms of the bodybuilding alone, like, mm-hmm. I'm just... It's staggering. Thanks. Um, I, I just... Well, I guess I, I can't imagine myself being a bodybuilder, mm. full stop, but I, I don't even know if I would have the drive and commitment to give to anything the way you've had to give to that. But then I It could, being a hobby. Uh-huh. Well, and, because, and not that... It's not anything to do with money. What I mean no. is, because you'll know me, I'm not... A money oriented no. person, but what I mean is, because you have other commitments in your life, like a job and a house, and yeah, I don't need to do it. Yeah, uh huh. So, yeah. yeah, I'm not a personal trainer mm-hmm. or someone that preps competition 
clients mm. who has a reputation or and it's not that I don't understand it because as someone who is very creative and likes mm-hmm. to move and understands the importance and yeah. the brilliance of doing something that you yeah. love to do and hence why I made the podcast yeah. it doesn't it doesn't surprise me uh-huh. that you would give all your commitment but I just I know how much commitment yeah. and diligence and energy and sheer determination yeah. that you need to give to something it does take that but then I could say the same like what looking at you and what you do with your your career and your you've built your business and your reputation is Lisa Kennedy that means something and it's just different because it's the only difference is it's your job like mm. but what you give of yourself to have followed your passion and done it and be doing it with such like excellence and enthusiasm and I guess probably because you're the closest person I've been in contact with who is doing something uh-huh. like this uh-huh. where you really get to see the inside of yeah. what day to day looks like yeah, so I think whereas if you see people on Facebook or Instagram like you say I, and you're seeing highlights real you're seeing you're like, not seeing the hard yeah, you're seeing uh, lights and a stage and a like banging tan mm-hmm. and a sparkly bikini and maybe a big trophy or something yeah. but what you're not seeing is like the 20 weeks before that although you might be if you're privy to Emma's Instagram because she does give you a good <laughs> I do give you a good and I think that's important I'm giving trying to give like this is what it actually is like well, and not being a moan about it but because like it's privileged to be able to do something like that to have yeah, time and to be able to afford to do it as well because uh-huh, yeah, it can it be expensive uh-huh. totally but all that work and the hardship if you want to call it hardship mm-hmm. up to that point isn't captured in that stage shot even no. just the stage shot of like what what your past 48 hours has been mm-hmm. before that like so you get up and you get like six layers of really dark spray tan mm-hmm. put on you in a shit container outside <laughs> at minus three that you know that you stand in front of the people you've never met before with no clothes on. It's like hi, nice to meet you, like McCaggery in, like just chatting away for forty five minutes, standing the cold waiting for that to dry. Um, you can't brush your teeth um, because you kind of get wet. Um, so you're just using mouthwash. And you kind of use deodorant, so you've not used deodorant for tours, and so everybody smells like biscuits. Oh, the glamour. Everybody <laughs> smells like biscuits and sweat a wee bit. And uh, <clears throat> we're all just a bit tired. Um, so, I, you know, that stage picture on its own, what you don't see is the smells and the feeling of, I've got a really dry mouth, the lights are really hot, oh, I just would like a rice cake just now. You're like, <laughs> So, yeah, you don't see the ins and outs of it, mm-hmm. and it's a six months slog of ins and outs and ins yeah. and outs every day sort of thing but I think once once you're in it if I was in the middle of prep I'd really need to be really not well to give it up because you're in it so it just becomes your life it just because I like I quite like routine mm-hmm. and being sort of it's like a big science experiment I just like being in control of all the variables like, oh, what happens if I do this and what happens if I do that and just I like having the consistency of prep because then you appreciate the flexibility when you have got it and regardless of what's going on You've always got that stability of hmm. I'm 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 sticking to this plan. I'm doing this thing, and I, and it's given me something. No doubt you'll have learned from your very first prep mm-hmm. to now. How you how oh. how does that differ? Yeah, really different. Um, because I had no idea physically how I would respond. I'd never tried to lose a lot of weight mm-hmm. at the one time while trying to preserve muscle. I had no idea how much weight I would lose, but how much I would need to lose to look in condition. Um, so I. I've definitely done far too much cardio, um, mad food, because I didn't really know, like I say, what to do. So no gluten, no dairy, no sugar. You know, it was all very, very, very strict. 
which has its own knock-on effects in terms of like digestion and you're just finding things out about what you can tolerate and what you can't. Um, I don't really tolerate whey protein very well, so I had to sack the protein shakes and you're just sort of playing with things. Whereas now in this prep, nothing's off limits. Like I'm having chocolate every day, albeit it's a Freddo, 97 calories. But you know, it's like, it's a small piece of chocolate. Uh Um, I'm having bread, I'm having anything I want as long as it fits in my calorie intake, my macronutrient intake. But that's also fueling me throughout my workout. So I could just be like, let's just have 10 bagels every day and that's yeah, great fun. Nutritionally well, Absolutely. you're not eating yeah. loads of rubbish. Because if I'm not healthy as well, then I'm yeah. not going to be able to perform. So I'm making sure I'm getting loads of fibre and all my vitamins and minerals and a wide variety of meats and fishes and different things because ultimately that that's how I'll live my life is mm. eating a variety of foods. So I would rather take an approach that... I can transfer into my everyday life after prep but just eat more of the stuff basically I, I'm not really a fan of the idea of doing something that's so far removed from everyday life because it just makes transitioning from being on prep to not being on prep too hard you know if you're admitting for me personally different strokes for different folks for me personally if I was to totally admit a whole part of my life or a whole food group I've done it before it, it just doesn't work for me very well I need to be able to just transition what has your experience of the industry, mm-hmm. your peers, yeah. been like? I didn't have any expectations of what it would be like. So obviously you and I dance. Um, we didn't really do dance competitions. We didn't do that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So I didn't really have a sort of competitive background, if you like, or I didn't do swimming competitions. or I didn't have a background in that sort of thing. So I had no idea what it was going to be like. And if people ask me about this, they'll quite often say, oh is it dead like catty hmm. that sort of thing are, are people dead catty with you backstage and is everyone looking you up and down and genuinely genuinely could not be farther from the truth I have met so many people who are my friends now through competing that you literally meet on the day and then you just keep in touch with them you end up meeting up with, with them for coffee we have training dates um, people that you then meet them at, you know, posing workshops and stuff and you just start to, like, generate genuine friendships Mm. and everyone's super supportive of each other. If someone's on social media saying they're having a hard day, you know, you just contact them, like, is there anything I can do? Are you okay? And everybody's sort of just sharing tips and tricks and different things and it's been genuinely super, super supportive and I've yet to come across someone who I thought looked at me funny or seemed false or Hmm. I've genuinely yet to come across someone where I've thought oh they weren't very nice. Well I guess that would have maybe swayed you not to compete again if you'd had a really negative experience when you were going into it completely as an obvious didn't have a clue what to expect and being a good nice person that you are you knew what your reaction would be to others so if the reaction back was negative exactly I would you have might just... not have done it again you might have con- I'm sure you would have continued to to work out and yeah um and done it for yourself but maybe not have mm-hmm. went into that environment because yeah. it's not necessarily a social sport if you would call it a sport because you're training a lot of time on your own yeah um you're really only around people um if you're at like a posing workshop or on the competition on the day sort of yeah thing. um so you could argue and say well it doesn't really matter about the people because it's not a team sport or anything mm. but actually it does it's part of the experiences the people that you meet um and if i'd had a sort of bad reception from folk it's, it wouldn't have been the sort of thing that would have bothered me if i thought people were being funny with me i'd have just put it down to oh well we're in a competition yeah and the stress of the day 
of a competition. Yeah, and you're doing your own thing, so yeah. whatever. You you do you. Yeah, exactly. So I'm the type of person that probably wouldn't have bothered me, but it wouldn't have been a motivator for me to continue yeah. necessarily. So yeah, because um, you're vulnerable. Yeah, when you're in that, yeah. you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I'm a bit tired. Hungry. Uh, you're hungry, <laughs> and, uh, and um, you're in a competitive, and you yeah. want to do your best, and you're thinking yeah, no, it's about. It's not something you're stepping into every day. No, no, and there's things you've got to do on stage. You've got to walk. You've no idea. Walk in the shape of a T. That can be quite difficult. <laughs> Make some, you know, they tell you you have to go right first, and then on the day they go, let's just go left, and you're like, I practice going right first. Mm-hmm. All these silly things that you think can't be that hard walking a straight line, but actually, and even as be. a dancer, even as a dancer, <laughs> and you're like, let me walk in a straight line while I'm flexing my entire body, but walking quite naturally. Mm-hmm. and finding my light and aware of the fact that there's somebody walking behind me and there's just lots of stuff going on on stage certainly from my point of view watching that first time uh-huh. um, it was evident that your dance training massively helps really not to compare you to any uh-huh. other girls and obviously I don't know any yeah. other women that were involved but uh-huh. your natural ability to perform uh, when I and, say, uh-huh. and be comfortable in your own body and yeah when I say it massively helps I don't mean like yeah, because I was pure great. Like, I mean, it massively helps for me for the process in terms of... Yeah, and the confidence yeah, of being the, able to step on a stage. Yeah, like, there's the, not uh, everybody steps on a stage on a regular exactly. basis like you do. The, the first stage I stepped on, I had been on that physical stage yes. several times before. So uh-huh. I knew backstage, like I knew where I was going. And yeah. that in itself is just one thing. But hmm. the, the process of learning, it's choreography. That's yeah. what it is. And it's being able... It's like muscle memory. It's not just um, put your hands in your hips or no. one hand in your hip. It's like you've got to feel that you've lifted that hip in this mm-hmm. way and you're flexing that glute and you're pulling up that knee and like mm. that your feet are a certain distance apart without looking at them and so it's, it's like I'm learning a dance routine so that's how I approached my posing was this is just a routine I'm going to do it this time and I know how when I'm hitting a particular pose I'll know that it's right because I'll feel that I'm in it mm-hmm. so that's the same with dance I think you don't always dance in front of a mirror and then also it just helped with the confidence and the performance aspect of it because I felt like I had the choreography down Mm-hmm. then I could actually perform it and I could smile yeah. and I could show my personality a wee bit more. So dance, absolute, whether whether I actually done a good job or not, dance and the skills that come with dance mm-hmm. absolutely helped. Yeah, it was an extra push on the stage that maybe some other women wouldn't have totally. had. Uh-huh. Totally. That they'd be going on for the first time on a, on stage, a stage, maybe since they were a kid at school absolutely. doing a school play or... You know, yeah. and you and you, everybody's looking at you, and yeah. you are at you, you're being judged. That mm-hmm. is, you're being judged. So that in itself is like what? Mm-hmm. Um, and other girls that I know who have a dance background, you can tell because they're just you can see them when they're working out the poses. You can see them thinking about how it feels and not just looking. Yeah. How does it look? In terms of being judged on how you look, mm-hmm. how do you approach that? I think because there's like a because I wouldn't. Sorry, interruption, yeah, no. but I wouldn't think of you as someone who is wholly concerned on a day-to-day basis of how you look and what other people think of how you look yeah because you'll yeah no i'm not kick around with no makeup on and totally Uh and and like you were saying earlier on with your videos on instagram in real life videos where you're just at the gym and you're spice buckets and no (laughs) eyebrows no absolutely (laughs) so uh, you're very yeah i like to look nice but i'm not like it doesn't consume me Mm -hmm. and it's not the sort of measure by which I put myself worth. So basically. is it the process? It is the process. Rather than that day? Yeah, uh, it's the process. And it's also quite compartmentalised. So I I would not want to look the way that I look on stage every day. N- not Whether you could or not. Mm-hmm. 
I don't even look like I'd look on stage the day before because there's just things that you do and like yeah, I can vouch for that. the lighting and stuff um, and we eat and different things it all, it all changes yeah and um, it's I mean, I, I don't know the ins and outs of uh-huh. it and everything that goes into it, but it's not sustainable, it's not healthy no, you end up for you, yeah. not talking about anybody else, but mm-hmm. for you to be in that condition and to be no. eating no. and working out the way that you are. So no. it's a means to an end. Um, it's a means to an end. It's never made to be sustainable. It looks great on stage. The amount of times people have, like, so my trainer has said to me, you know, people have approached me and said, is that is that, is that your client Emma when they've seen me in the gym or something? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, and they're like, she's tiny and he's like oh, she's a wee person like I'm only five foot two like but she looks massive on stage and on stage it looks great because you're in minimal clothing and like you're tanned and you're all oiled up and it looks brilliant but for everyday life I look terrible you know there's like pictures of me just in everyday life at birthdays and Christmases or whatever or days out and I'm like look at the state of my face <laughs> like actually it's really drawn and my clothes aren't sitting on me well and all the rest of it so it's not um it's it's a very particular look for a very particular purpose and that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know so I've heard some other people kind of say they've went into competing because they want to look fit and lean and strong, and it's a whole other. And then they get into it and they realise it's a whole other level. You do the competition, and then mm-hmm. for me, I reverse it. And any athlete who is competing at that kind of level yeah. would be saying the same thing, whether it was you like know swimming or element, yeah, you know, yeah, gymnastics, or you know, if you're getting to that stage where you're competing, yeah. the have a strict regime all year round yeah. but I would imagine building up to a particular match or a particular yeah. competition that that's not things... how they're living their life no no, no. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're making adjustments and don't get me wrong not, like, it's not acceptable then to say well you know if you're having symptoms of ill health it's just the way it is like I've had preps where I haven't really had any any changes at all and then somewhere I've had like quite significant ones and then they've resolved or I've just changed a couple of things and it's, it's fixed itself sort of thing and there's nothing to say you know people, and you've sought out obviously expect advice from your trainer and you've been to your doctor I've been to my doctor I've been to my trainer I read a lot like I educate myself I don't just quote unquote trust the process like it's my health as well Mm -hmm. and it is a hobby and I wouldn't want um, to do anything that would impact on my health long term so I'm also sensible and when I'm talking about health I'm talking about mental health as well uh, which is part of the reason why I took last year off completely from competing I was still tracking food and training a lot and stuff but it was important for me mentally to sort of I had been very lean for a very long time and to just get out of that space of being competition lean for so long and just be a healthy lean. But it was important for me to take time for my brain, to be mm-hmm. honest, and for my mental health to sort of... Actually, I was like, I need to remember what I look like without that and actually accept that as a healthy, normal thing. Mm-hmm. It's like you just get... It's like when people talk about image in the media and you just get bombarded with images, unrealistic images. I had become my own unrealistic image. And I just wanted to kind of nip that in the bud and be like, okay, let's readjust and yeah. show me what... It was important for me to take like a year and a bit out um, and totally accepted my body. It was hard, but I got there and was like, yeah, I'm, this is a healthy body. It's a healthy functioning body. And I'm still a size that I would like to be for everyday life. And then I just decided quite like this bodybuilding malarkey, but would quite like to try for a different category. So I've decided to move up into a different category this time, um, just for a brand new challenge, um, just to see how we got on with that sort of thing. Yeah. And it's a different look as well, so, hmm. yeah. What would you say is the most enjoyable thing about bodybuilding? I wouldn't say competing, because I think when you say competing, you're thinking about the day. The day. Uh-huh, yeah. So just bodybuilding in general. And what is the thing you loathe the most? I think I generally, overall, just like the challenge of it. The whole thing's a challenge. 
for many different reasons. Um, the final few weeks are quite fun because you're quite close to your condition and you're starting to get all the fun stuff organised, like you're booking your tan and you've bought your jewellery and it's starting to just get a bit real and mm-hmm. you're starting to, I start to get excited about that and you feel like you're coming towards the end of the process and um, so that's probably more towards what I like about the competing side of it but the whole thing, I do like the challenge of it mm-hmm. and seeing little incremental improvements and little changes and having the battles, I, I, there's a bit of enjoyment in the pain in it for me, like I like having a battle whether it's a small battle of just having no energy one day and just getting through it or just having no energy in a workout and but finishing it or because I always get through the battle whatever it is and I know I can do it so it's quite satisfying getting through whatever the little day-to-day battles versus the whole thing's yeah. challenge so I quite enjoy that the thing I don't like about it is it sounds so trivial is I like how cold you get <laughs> like just get so cold and in Scotland our bodybuilding season starts in April so you're prepping in winter and it's just the only I've cried twice on prep in my whole life one time is because I had the world's worst heartburn but and I just adjusted my supplements and it was fine the other time I cried was the night before a competition in a hotel in York York or Heathrow and I had been standing waiting on a tan drying for 45 minutes in minus two and I got to the taxi and my mum was with me and I got into the taxi and we got back to the hotel and I pressed the button on the lift and I just went oh, and burst out of tears and my mum was like you're fine you're in the hotel it's tomorrow like we'll heat you up and I was just I literally cried because I was cold and I was like I hate this I hate this being cold I hate this and I just it's I and just spent I like a long time being cold put a disclaimer in the sense that Emma doesn't cry I don't cry at anything if you don't no, Emma. I do not cry. Well, well I cry. Cry- <laughs> I cry. I don't cry. I've never cried. At she cries at flamenco. I've cried at flamenco. I've seen flamenco twice live <laughs> and have cried like a baby. Um, and I cried at a wedding recently, which was like right. But we, we, we were all a bit. We were all a bit. We were all a bit. We were like, "Are you alright?" <laughs> like what happened? But I don't, Jenny. I'm not a crying person. No. Um, that's not to say you're emotionless. No, I'm very in touch with my emotions. But I think that's. <laughs> I've got a very good grip on them. But um, I just was like, I'm so cold. And that you do, I just spend a lot of time being cold towards yeah. the end of a prep. She so comes to rehearsals right now, I'll tell you. With a beanie hat yeah. on and gloves yeah. and scarves. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the thing I don't like about it is yeah. the cold. If you were to impart words of wisdom to anyone who is considering doing anything remotely like what you do yeah. in terms of bodybuilding or competing, you know, Endurance not necessarily. Things yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. What would it be? Um, I would say get help. So mm-hmm. um, I'm kind of doing this one kind of on my own and kind of with my coach. We've always had quite an iterative process in that if I feel like I want to change something, I would just sense check it with him and mm-hmm. be like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I would say um, if you don't have any background in anything like this, fitness and nutrition, or, I mean, I'm not qualified in anything, but I've just learned stuff through my own reading and stuff over the years. Get help from a coach that someone recommends, um, from a coach that doesn't give you a a plan like a gives you a personalized plan something for you yeah someone that you feel comfortable speaking to um because there's a lot of emotional aspects that go with this as well it can be hard to get someone who you feel like you can talk to um but yeah do your research in terms of getting some coaching and some help what else would i recommend well for specifically for bodybuilding and competing practice your posing from day one it's never too early to start posing um because that's just one thing you can get down sort of thing um make it a get a network meet people it is a comp- whatever you're doing if it's a competition of any kind you're up against other people but you're all in the same boat you're all going through yeah. it so 
seek out the support make yeah, the friends, like-minded people that are like-minded obviously people that understand you know my family yous are very understanding but you know but you, we're not doing it no you're not doing not it. In it and you might have you might have family and friends that are like what well, you, you'll just stop doing it if you don't like it just stop doing it but, and that's not what it's about if you're having a hard mm-hmm. time go and talk to somebody who yeah, knows what you're going through wisdom don't Aye. necessarily ring very yep yeah, uh-huh effectively sometimes like there's a lot of like times where you start to have a bit of a pity party for yourself and then you're like like you know, i'm all about the pity party. I know. <laughs> but like if you start to have a pity party you just kind of go like no you're, you're no dying just get it done you know and that little pep talk like you sometimes you need to give yourself the pep talk mm-hmm. um or you can just let yourself away with stuff like i've trained in the gym the other night with my mum and had like the worst headache two sets in and i was like i could just coast this workout i could just kind of do enough or cut sets or cut the weight or whatever um, took a couple of painkillers and just had to do a lot of breathing and a lot of holding my breath sometimes mm-hmm. and different things and just got it done and you know my mum was like you know you could just go home I was like yeah I could just go home but I'm not going to die like it's a headache nobody's died of a headache yeah I'm going to be sore for the next hour or whatever but and what let's just get it done yeah. got it done nobody died I was really pleased that I'd done it sort of thing so there is a element of you're going to need to give yourself some tough love yeah um, and if you don't want to do that that's totally fine just well that's what I was going to say don't do you, it then. you speak about it you know obviously the discipline that's required yeah. to achieve the uh, level uh-huh. that but you're it's at being you don't need to do it so absolutely if you're not enjoying it then just pack it in and essentially uh-huh. you are enjoying it hence totally. why you do I enjoy the this nobody's of it. making you do it totally. you are not having a terrible time no this is something you've chosen to do for yeah. yourself and it just so uh-huh. happens yeah. that it, a lot of it is yeah. a lot of hard work and you have to push yourself yeah. but I enjoy that yeah and, and and that's why I've stuck with it mm-hmm. and that's why I, if I do have a complaint or whatever sometimes I still want to be there and do it and and if you don't enjoy it then totally don't do it and it will make no difference to your do life. you feel that it has enriched your life. I do. Um, I, I do. Uh, in many ways, like, you learn a lot about yourself. You go through challenges. Although I dance, I wouldn't have, like, I was a sporty person. Um, so I'm a, I'm a lot more physically capable than I ever thought I would be. People, sometimes people ask me for advice on stuff and I'm like, I'm not qualified to give advice. But, you know, I then get a bit chuffed because I'm like, oh, people might think I can, I know what I'm doing. And I would never have said I was a sporty person or athletic person before. Um, so I'm quite it's a side of me I didn't really know that I had or that I'd be good at and like obviously you go through the like the mental endurance of it as well the people that I've met I've had a lot of really good times I've got to kind of travel about different places and do cool photo shoots and just do a lot of cool stuff as well it's, I definitely feel like it's enriched my mm. life um, I'm pretty sure like eating cake would have done that as well but <laughs> <laughs> maybe there's always room for cake there's always room for cake there is there's always room for cake in June <laughs> It's Everything's happening in June. Everything's happening. The <laughs> world is on fire in June. So, lastly, what is next for you in terms of competing and bodybuilding? So, I'm competing in June, mm-hmm. early June this year, maybe April. Um, I've got a big work trip coming up to Brazil, which is a big thing. That is exciting. So, um, I'm going to basically just have to not prep for a week in March, which is fine. Um, and Emma's also um, doing her PhD. As I'm well. also doing my PhD, so uh, which is what I was doing before I came here today. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've got a lot going on, but for competing, uh, yeah, competing in early June, and like I said earlier, I'm competing in a different category. I'm competing on a show that is tested, uh, so not all shows are tested, so this one is, um, which makes no difference to me because I'm a natural athlete, um, but it's just a different uh, different vibe I suppose, like it's cool to be part of something where you know that everybody's just doing what you're doing as well, no shade to anybody that isn't, like mm. th- like that's a personal choice, so it's a different 
federation, different vibe, uh, different location, different people that I've never competed with before. So that's going to be exciting. Um, if I, for some reason, managed to qualify for British finals, um, that's in October, I would need to think about that. Because um, I don't see myself competing after this year, to be totally honest. I've got PhD to get done and just other things I would like to explore. Other challenges because other challenges. you are someone who thrives off variety and yeah. something else. Yeah. Uh-huh, like a new challenge. So yeah, You're passionate about several things, I would yeah. say. Uh huh. Yeah, it's not as if like you know I used to be like a powerlifter. Now I'm a bodybuilder, and yeah. like there's been a common vein. I definitely see myself still training and working out and lifting and stuff, hmm. but freeing up time to kind of explore other things that I haven't really been able to do for yeah. for whatever reason. So, yep, June is the next competition we have, which is in five months' time. Well, I'm sure anybody listening will be wishing you all the best with that. Thanks. And I think this has been like a great insight uh, into the world of bodybuilding because unless you know somebody mm-hmm. who does it, you yeah. probably don't know no. what's involved or you have a limited mm-hmm. idea of... Yeah, what it means. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like when like people always will say if like at work and stuff... Like, Certainly well, nothing. Look at the something. size of your meals and I'm like, yeah, but it's mostly veg. But <laughs> sorry to be honest. But um, yeah, like just I eat like more than people think I eat mm. and but I train more than people think you need to train and it's, a lot of people have an idea of what it means to bodybuild but actually when people start to ask you about yeah, it my dad's reaction go, oh. to your plates of food oh you can eat all that food and I'm like you've got no idea how much food I managed to <laughs> shove away so I, um, it, for me it's like I do this all the time so this is just my normal life and then when you start to sort of people start asking bits and pieces about it and they're like oh my god really you do that you do this I'm like yeah that's just what I do it's my life so um, it's been quite fun chatting about it, to be honest. Good, I'm glad. Well, thank, thank you for agreeing to do this. You're welcome, thank you. Um, we're moving on to what I call the quickfire round, although in my experience, they've not been very quick. It's not going to be very quick this time. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're more, probably more challenging questions than what you're passionate about and what you could talk yeah, about yeah, all day. Yeah. So, um, but this just gives you a bit more insight into Emma Dunlop. And yeah, as a whole person. Yeah, um, so some of them are a bit more philosophical than others. <laughs> I'm down with that. Uh, the first one is, how do you define success? I would define success as either as happiness or, I was going to say, this is where it gets philosophical, <laughs> I was going to say success is um, having a, a goal and an expectation and realising it. But actually, sometimes there's a lot of success in not realising the goal or the expectation. So I'm going to say learning or growth. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, what is your current obsession? Pattern shirts. <laughs> I've been buying a lot <laughs> of pattern shirts. I'm loving a shirt. So I'm getting Collection of pattern shirts. <laughs> pattern shirts, I'm into that now. Yep. What is your workout anthem? So interestingly, mm. I don't listen to music when I work out, which yeah. everybody's always horrified at because people always have headphones in. I don't know why, I just never got in the habit. As a musician and a dancer, you'd think I would listen to music. But um, I do go to a circuits class twice a week and on a Sunday morning, there's a particular playlist that they play. And sometimes, there's, well, there's two playlists. One of them has got loads of like really good R&B. So there's like Mary J and a bit of Nelly and like mm. Destiny's Child and it's this really really good remix and I'm always like this is like driving me forward and then there's another one where there's some like kind of hardcore dance in it 
that just makes you feel good. Um, like a bit of bits and pieces always gets me going. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do like a bit of a mix. It was good. But I don't listen to music. I do a lot of counting when I train, like when I'm weight training, mm-hmm. with tempo and breaths and different things. But when I'm circuit training, yeah, a, a good R&B mix. Or a bit of like angry music, The Prodigy or something. Cool. Who has awesome hair? You. Yes! <laughs> Awesome I did not pay her a five to say that. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm, I have to say, like, not blowing my job. I'm digging my own hair these days. I've just got We're all digging up. your hair, but to I be fair, like Emma, I haven't changed my haircut apart from adding the fringe. But every fringe. haircut that Emma has gone for, she suited, so Thanks. we're pretty sure that if she decides to change it again to, I don't know, Mohican, she'll still look. Well, I was remembering amazing. a conversation I had with Julianne, one mm-hmm. of our Kennedy cupcakes, and, uh, like years ago we were at a gig and I don't know how we got into the conversation and she said, I feel like um, the person in our group who'd be most likely to shave their head would be Emma. <laughs> at the time I had really long hair and I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and now I've got a crop, so you never know. You never <laughs> know, we're getting there. there. <laughs> but no, your hair's fabulous. Thanks. Would you rather be able to understand any language mm-hmm. or be able to play any instrument? <sighs> Jinx. Uh, because I can play some quite a lot of instruments or have a go, I'm mm-hmm. going to say I understand any language because I can't do that. Oh, but would I? <laughs> I'm going to say I understand any language, I feel. Nice. Yeah. What's your biggest pet peeve? There are few, uh, several. <laughs> there are more than one. <laughs> um, I It really annoys me. Oh, there's a few. Right. So manners is one thing. So it really annoys me if I hold the door open for someone and they don't say thanks. I'm like... I've got a job I don't need another one as a doorman thanks very much um, and people just don't say thanks and and slow walkers there should be lanes on pavements like a fast lane by all means move at a glacial pace like it really annoys me like people who walk slow or actually more specifically people who walk and look at their phones or read books I have on more than one occasion I have seen people walking down the street reading an actual novel not a kindle like an actual book and I'm like you're not reading that where are you where are you going so I think slow walkers that's an amalgamation of being rude and slow walking actually okay so slow walkers and rudeness got you <laughs> is it a house coat or a dressing gown it's a house coat <laughs> thank you it's a house coat what is the best smell ever just blown out birthday candles not normal candles normal candles are good uh-huh. but there is something about when I blow out when I blow out a normal candle I can smell icing it's like an association thing like when I smell uh, clothing in the swimming pool mm-hmm. like I smell uh, chocolate chip muffins because I used to go swimming with my mum and we would have a chocolate chip muffin after we went swimming <laughs> so when I blow, blow out a normal candle I can smell icing so like blown out birthday candles and with the birthday cake that's the yeah. that's the best smell what hidden talent do you possess <gasps> Hidden talent? Oh, I don't know. Um, people wouldn't know about it? Not a lot of people would know Not about it. Not a lot of people know about this. Um, <laughs> accents. <laughs> Actually, I'm not bad at impressions. You are. You are very good at impressions. Impressions and accents. Because occasionally, <laughs> if we're talking about a TV programme or a film, I'll just like pull out a line and yeah, people look at me like I'm... Yeah, into some character. <laughs> <laughs> Becoming a bit of a theme. Uh-huh. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Um, oh, Jizo. Um, it's Jizo, I've got to say that quite a lot. I say Jizo quite a lot. Um, 
I do say Jizo quite a lot, and I don't think anybody else, any other nations, say that. Jizo. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, I will thank you for doing this, and all the best. Thanks. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> Come again if you like. <laughs> hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.